Hey friends, Pastor Brooks here. I just want to thank you for checking out this podcast and to acknowledge that this teaching was created in collaboration with Practicing the Way and John Mark Homer. They are doing great work to provide discipleship resources for the church, and so we give them our gratitude and encourage you to check them out at practicingtheway.org. For now, enjoy the podcast. Please remain standing and turn your Bibles to Acts 13, 1 to 3. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simon called Niger, Lucius the Siren, Manon, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Sit apart from me. Barnabas, and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, come fill this place. Um, meet us all where we're at this morning and speak to us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and take a seat, everyone. Well over 2,000 years ago, uh, in the 5th century BCE, in the Persian Empire, the Jewish people are faced with the very real possibility of genocide. Uh, Haman, who's um, an official in the Persian royal court at the time, is seeking to completely wipe out all Jewish men, women, and children. And in the midst of this, Esther, who's a Jew and a young queen, receives this call to action from her guardian, Mordecai. He says, If you keep silent at this time, liberation and deliverance will come to the Jewish people from another place, but you and your father's house will be destroyed. And who knows, perhaps you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Meaning, what if you were placed in your position of power to make a difference for your people now? What if you were born specifically for this moment to save your people from total annihilation? And Esther replies, Go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf and do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law, and if I perish, then I perish. And so Esther responds, and the first thing she does is this. She calls her people to fasting and prayer. And the people are actually saved. And Jews to this day celebrate the holiday Purim to remember this moment. Now, fast forward 2,000 years, it's May 1940, the height of World War II. The Nazis have taken France and 338,000 Allied troops are stuck, trapped on the beach at Dunkirk, awaiting their doom. 
Some of you may remember this depicted in Christopher Nolan's 2017 film, Dunkirk. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. Um, but what you don't see in the movie is that while everyone is, is tensely waiting on the beaches, on May 24th of that year, King George, who hears of the situation and the impending doom and invasion, calls for a nationwide day of fasting and prayer. And the people of England actually do this. Like Westminster Abbey is, is flooded with people gathering to fast and pray. Then, strangely, on the same day, for some reason, Hitler calls off the invasion. German tanks mysteriously stop just outside Dunkirk. Strangely, a fog covers the entire beach, preventing German planes from bombing the troops trapped on the beach down below. Strangely, the English Channel, which is usually known to be really windy and really choppy, is somehow calm for three days, allowing civilian boats to come and to rescue the stranded troops, as you see in the film. Now, the movie is called Dunkirk, but everyone who lived through those events referred to this as the miracle at Dunkirk. Now, fast forward again. The year is 2022. Uh, Amanda and I, after suffering two losses just the, the year before, were expecting again. But right from the start, the pregnancy is complicated. The first ultrasound we went to showed no heartbeat. Uh, and so with our experience, we feared the worst. We thought that we had lost a third child. But our doctor tells us to come back in 11 days to repeat the ultrasound just to be sure. Um, and so. I decide to fast and to pray for 11 days just to, to plead with God. And we come back 11 days later to find a heartbeat. I remember sitting with Amanda in that room watching the screen with like tears streaming down our faces as the, as the ultrasound tech turned up the speaker for us to hear our baby's heartbeat flood the room. <laughs> But then things get more complicated. Um, I know a lot of you walked with us through it, but basically a few weeks in, we discovered that our baby was not growing. And we were referred to specialists, and each, each appointment was mostly pretty disheartening. Uh, we weren't sure our baby would live. And we even began to wonder, man, if we're going to lose another child, why would God like drag things out like this? This kind of sucks. Um, and we even had some doctors suggest terminating the pregnancy. But when one appointment showed signs of hope, I decided again to fast and to pray. The next appointment, the scans showed signs of not just growth, but like a miraculous amount of growth. Like our baby actually had a chance now. And then on July 22nd, our daughter Phoebe Hope was born uh, weighing a whopping one pound and five ounces, uh, but alive, breathing without assistance, which was kind of crazy, and actually like screaming, which no one was expecting. So July 22nd, coincidentally, after 40 days of fasting. Now, all of these events, Esther, Dunkirk, Phoebe, coincidence or miracle? Pure chance, random flukes, or instances where God actually responds to prayer and fasting. 
If you're new here, uh, or if you're just joining us for the first time, welcome. Um, we're a community with the very simple goal of, of leading lives pointed by Jesus. Um, it's our aim to follow Jesus as apprentices, learning from him, imitating him, doing what he did um, in order to become more and more like him. People of love, joy, and peace. Um, and we're currently going through a teaching and practice series on fasting, uh, because that's one of the things that Jesus did. It was a part of his life rhythm, as it was for Jews and Christians for like thousands of years, um, and an essential and powerful part of his ministry, like everything that he did. So if you want to get caught up, I would encourage you to just go back and check out the past couple of, of sermons on our podcast. Uh, but just to recap, as Tiffany said earlier, we're covering four reasons to practice fasting. First, to offer ourselves to Jesus as an act of worship, basically. Um, second, to grow in holiness or to fight sin and addiction. Uh, third, to amplify our prayers. And fourth, to stand with the poor. And so today we're going to talk about fasting to amplify our prayers. Now, I just want to be totally upfront. Uh, a couple disclaimers here. First, by fasting, we specifically mean not eating food, not like social media fast or a diet or anything. Um, second, uh, the goal here is not to manipulate God. Like we're not out to dial in the right winning combination or incantation to get God to do what we want, nor is it my intention to convey to you that God is some sort of genie in the lamp that you just got to rub the right way. Um, but it is my intention to trace trends in scripture and throughout history that point to the undeniable link and the power that does arise when prayer is paired with fasting. So with that disclaimer out of the way, let's jump in. We started this whole talk with Esther, um, but when you read the Bible, something that you'll notice is that prayer and fasting kind of go hand in hand together. Now, this doesn't mean that you can't pray without fasting or vice versa, but when the two are paired together, there is a mysterious power. Throughout scripture, the most desperate and powerful moments of prayer involve fasting. And just so that we're on the same page, prayer is how we as followers of Jesus communicate and connect with God. Like through prayer, we both listen to and speak to God. And communication is a, is a two-way street. And so the practice of fasting then amplifies these aspects. Fasting helps us to hear God, and it helps us to be heard by God. So first, hearing God. The theologian uh, Gary Brashears states, learning to hear God's voice is the single most important task of a disciple of Jesus. Makes sense. If we're going to follow Jesus, it would help to hear him. And Jesus says himself, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. But if we're honest, most of us probably have a hard time hearing God most of the time. And given how busy we are, how distractible we are, how bombarded our minds are with work, entertainment options, TikTok, blue screens, news headlines, it's like, it's not surprising at all, right? Um, so hopefully you still have your Bibles open. We're going to flip back to Acts 13. And I'll just read that one more time. 
Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So basically, the apostles are hanging out, just, you know, casually worshiping and fasting. Um, But before they they send out Barnabas and Saul to, to travel and to spread the gospel, they fast and pray. It's similar to how Jesus did not begin his ministry until his 40 days of fasting in the desert. But in this moment of of prayer and fasting, we see that God gives his apostles clear direction, right? Like, how often have you wished God were just a little clearer? Like, God, what do you want me to do with my life? But in the moment described here, (coughs) we see that we tend to hear God's voice most clearly when we are fasting and waiting on him for direction. Like, Christians throughout history have often fasted before making important decisions. I have a friend who actually fasted for 40 days before proposing to his girlfriend. Now, in our age of busyness, of distraction, and in sensory overload, like, how much do we need fasting? If you remember from last week, um, while we are definitely here to learn about and practice fasting specifically for God, like specifically spiritual reasons. We also talked about the physical benefits of fasting. Um, And there are a lot of those. Like you don't just get really hungry. Um, But as it turns out, it's like also good for your mental health. Experts and studies report that fasting increases the blood flow to your brain, which results in us being more alert and aware. Like when we eat, blood goes to our stomachs to digest, hence food coma, something that we'll experience severely in a couple of weeks when it's Thanksgiving. Fasting increases what, what, what people call neuroplasticity, which is our brain's ability to learn, to adapt, and to form new neural pathways and connections. It's proven to decrease the neurotransmitters that signal anxiety and depression and increase those that elevate calmness and peace. Fasting also improves our our mind and body awareness, and some people even say that it helps to stop the effects of Alzheimer's. Crazy. So, in sum, fasting, when done over time, enhances our focus, our awareness, alertness, and perception. Emphasis on the done over time part as a regular practice. So the more we fast regularly, the more it becomes a part of our life rhythm, the more our bodies actually do adapt. Like we actually grow more alert and aware and we feel calmer. Now, returning to the fact that we're hyper busy, we're distracted, we're stimulated, it's no surprise then that fasting does help our prayer lives. Like it it biologically improves our ability to hear and to discern God's voice. Fasting also helps simply because, you, you know, you free up a lot of mental space and time because you don't have to worry about cooking, what you'll eat, where you'll shop, etc. Um, but the first time I practiced fasting, like one of the first things I noticed was like just how much I prioritized and depended on food. Like not for survival, but just merely for distraction and simple pleasure. 
I notice how much I thought about food, how much money I spent on food, and how irritable and, and not fun to be around when I did not have food. So basically, I noticed an imbalance in my life. Check out what um, the writer Priscilla Shire writes. When we choose to sacrifice the need of the body to place more importance on the need of the spirit, God himself sits up and takes notice. So fasting primes our minds to listen, but it also puts God in an ideal situation to speak because we've removed distractions, we've reprioritized the needs of our souls over our bodies. Take a look at what God says to the Israelites through the prophet Jeremiah. He says, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And I will be found by you, declares the Lord. So fasting is one way we seek God with all our hearts. It's how we go all in with our prayers. Fasting is how God's people from scripture on through church history hear God's voice and receive guidance and direction. Something a lot of people refer to as discernment. The practice of fasting, then, is essentially a practice of of surrendering. Like, we give up food, we say no to our flesh. And when it comes to our relationship with God and what spiritual growth looks like, surrender is a big part of that. Part of maturity looks like surrender, being able to surrender to God, trusting that he's good, trusting that he loves us, Trusting that he knows our greatest needs and provides for them, and that his ways and his plans for our lives are actually good. It's how we live out what Jesus quotes to Satan when he says, man does not live on bread alone. Now, if we zoom out, fasting is how we let go of the illusion that we have control over our lives, and instead hand control over to God, who is good and gracious. But as we know, prayer is a two-way street. Like we hear God, but we're also heard by God. Which leads us to our second point. Just to be clear, again, God listens to us and he hears our prayers. He knows our thoughts and our desires, whether or not we're fasting. But there is something about fasting that emphasizes and amplifies our prayers to God. Back to Acts. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So the apostles fasted to hear God, but also to be heard by God. Now, I'm sure I'm not the only one here who's ever wondered if their prayers are, are even heard by God or that he cares or, or like there's some sort of wall or a barrier between me and God. But throughout the Bible, we see God calling his people to fast in order to be heard. He says through Isaiah to fast for your voice to be heard on high. Uh, The preacher Tony Evans states, fasting helps us activate God's power. Now with that, quick return to our disclaimer. As I said earlier, fasting is not a way to manipulate or to like pressure God into doing what we want or to giving us what we want. Like we're not trying to twist his arm Um, because we need to remember that God is our loving Father, and we 
we're his children. With that, unanswered prayer is also a reality that we must face. And there, there are a variety of reasons why certain prayers go unanswered. Or they're answered in ways that we don't see or understand. And we have confronted that as a community. But at the same time, God calls us to seek him with all our hearts. And we will find him. Throughout the Bible, there's a high correlation between fasting and prayers that are answered. Like God actually responds to prayer and fasting. In the book of Jonah, the Ninevites are warned by Jonah of their coming destruction on account of their wickedness. But then, the text states, the Ninevites believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth. That was a way to to humble yourself back then. Um, From the greatest of them to the least of them. And when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them. And he did not do it. So we see God respond to prayer and fasting in the story of Esther and in Acts. Um, and these are just some of the accounts. You know, there are so many others. Nowadays, we tend to approach prayer with kind of a sort of jadedness. Like, God will probably do what he's going to do anyway, so like, why even bother asking? Um, or other times we're afraid to pray boldly and to really ask for something because we're afraid of feeling massively let down if they don't get answered the way that we want them to. But because of this, fasting actually builds our faith. It's how we go all in with our prayers. and It's how we practice praying boldly and trusting boldly, no matter what the outcome is. The pattern we see throughout history is that when we pray, and especially when we fast, he responds. It helps us to hear God and to discern his voice, but it also helps us to be heard by God. So in sum, it amplifies our prayers. But as we end, let us remember that the whole point is not to get what we want from God, but to get God himself. The goal of prayer is always relationship. Relationship. The ancients refer to it as as union with God. The goal of prayer is to rest assured in God's love for us. It's ultimately to hear him say to us, you are my beloved and then to respond in love. The ultimate goal of prayer is relationship with God. And when it comes down to it, fasting is a powerful aid to that relationship. Fasting is is how we practice saying no to the things that create distractions and, and walls between us and God. And so as a community, let Fasting help you experience the nearness, the love, the response, and the power of God. But let these things ultimately lead you closer into deep relationship and communion with God himself. Let's stand and pray together. Father, we are we're so grateful that you are a God that we can talk to 
and talk with. But we're also just so thankful that you talk back, you respond to us. You hear our prayers, you know our needs and the deepest desires of our souls. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would help us to hear you. Help us to be good listeners. Um, and Lord, as we're, as we're going through this, this practice on fasting, God, help us to approach it with discipline, knowing that it's something that helps us to hear you. Help us to practice fasting with the expectation that we can hear you and that we will be heard by you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.